On today's show, the Heat have won seven straight. We'll tell you if people were too quick to write them off and if they should be considered in the top tier of contenders in the Eastern Conference. Plus, the Thunder handle the shorthanded Warriors. What the game taught us about both teams. All of that and more coming up on today's Locked On NBA. You are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On NBA. Wes Goldberg here with Adam Mades. However you might be tuning in, YouTube, Odyssey, or your favorite podcast app, thanks so much for making Locked On NBA your first listen every day. We'll get to the Warriors-Thunder game in a bit. Plus, we'll get to which player's impact has been the hardest to measure so far this season. But we'll start in Miami, where the Heat beat the Brooklyn Nets 122-115. to 115. Jimmy Butler scores 36 points, and the Heat have now won an NBA best Seven in a row after a one and four start and are now one and a half games out of first place in the East in case you were not paying attention. So before we zoom out on what this actually means for the top of the East, Adam, what was your takeaway from this game? Jimmy Butler is the most interesting person on earth, the most interesting (laughs) basketball player to ever play the game. Um, There are nights and I don't know if it was national television. I don't know what it was. But there are nights where he looks like the best player in the world, and they don't come often. But when they happen, you watch him and you go, my God, how do you – this guy does everything. 36 points, five rebounds, three assists, one steal, three blocks, 12 of 19 shooting. Like that's – he even hit two of five threes. He did – literally every positive stat he looked great in tonight. And then when you watch the game, he just looked like the baddest dude. That run he had – um, I don't remember if it was the second or third quarter, Wes. You have to remind me. But the run he had where I think he had 10 or 12 – Third quarter, 10 or 12 points in the third quarter, 11 in a row, 11 in a row. And it was a, it wasn't a quiet 11, you know, it wasn't like cut right. into the basket outlet, you know, it caught an outlet. It was a very, very loud 11. Um, he's fascinating. And, and tonight is the reasons why. Uh, the third quarter was the the quarter that blew the game open for Miami. And it was all, like you said, behind Jimmy Butler. The three-point shooting is something that I want to focus on with him. He took five three-pointers in this game, yeah. missed his first two because Brooklyn was baiting him into it. The first four and a half minutes of this game were really ugly for Miami. One made field goal, and I'm kind of watching this. I'm like, Brooklyn's flattening them out on offense. They're forcing them into being a jump-shooting team, which is not what the Heat want to be. And I'm like, this is going to go south real quick. And that's not what happened. They lean into Jimmy Butler getting early post position. They leaned into some more pick-and-roll stuff, and they ended up breaking Brooklyn's defense, uh, getting him into rotation, getting the shots that they wanted. And then Jimmy Butler took over in the third quarter, like you mentioned. But uh, Jimmy takes those two, three, th- th- that those pair of three pointers early in the game because Brooklyn's <laughs> baiting him into him, misses both. And he had been shooting fifty percent from three up until this game. I think he only taken like eight. He was like nine of eighteen, so it wasn't on a big sample. But he he missed the first two. He comes back in that third quarter, hits two in a row, flashes the five zero hand sign to the Heat bench, letting everybody know. Okay, I was under my 50%. Now I'm back to 50%. He is keeping track in his mind. And you know what? It's the kind of stat padding that I am totally here for. I I love it because it's also really important to Jimmy Butler's game and to the Miami Heat offense because later in that third quarter, what happens? Jimmy Butler, right wing, ball above the the break. Royce O'Neal, not giving him the six feet of space, playing up on him in his chest. Jimmy Butler jabs to his left jukes him out, goes to the right, wide open uh, dunk baseline. And that only happens because Royce O'Neal 
was playing up on him and gave him all that space behind him. And Jimmy Butler has quick enough of a first step to get by him and get that open dunk. That's the kind of thing that that can result in for, for Jimmy Butler. When he starts taking those threes, he's taken more threes this year uh, than he ever has in a Miami heat uniform. And I think it's a big part of his game. It's not a, it's not like a big part of his game, but it's a bigger part of his game than it has been. But this is what I love is to me, this is like Larry bird taking left-handed shots in a game to keep himself interested. He's just going to try to shoot 50% this year from three, just as an extra challenge. You know, this is an extra yep. thing to do here. And I love that your point there about 18 threes. And then tonight he takes five. That's just, he has a mastery of the competitive aspect of the game. And that's really what this comes down to. It's there's the talent aspect, you know, the athleticism and the gifts and the skills and that. And then there's just this like will part of it. And he's mastered the will part of it, honestly. And I, I really yeah. think it's why the heat made it to the finals last year and keep outperforming expectations is the talent gap can be whatever it is, but they're going to win the competitive gap. And I actually think that the reason they lost the finals was Denver matched them in the competitive gap. And then we're more, you know, more talented. Right. So to me, it's all Jimmy Butler and, and on nights like tonight, it was just, we might not remember this game, Wes, you know, like this might not make it into the archives of Jimmy Butler lore, <laughs> but it was such a quintessential Jimmy Butler game. And that's what I liked it. I'm, I do want to ask you though, um, you know, you were talking about the change with Highsmith coming into the starting lineup, and that's part of what has sparked it. I mean, you've been watching this team closely. What is it about that move, and and what is it about the Heat that that have got them on this run? Well, they haven't lost a game with Haywood Highsmith in the starting lineup, and previous to Highsmith taking the power forward spot, it was Kevin Love in that power forward spot. And when it's Kevin Love, I I, I know what they're trying to do. He's a floor spacer. He's a rebounder. He's another big body to add in the front court with Bam. Uh, who isn't the biggest body at the center spot to begin with, but it doesn't really work because you also had Tyler Hero at the time before the sprained ankle, now Duncan Robinson and Kyle Lowry. That's three minus defenders. Lowry at 37 years old is not the defender he was in like the 2019 Raptors run. (laughs) So that's three minus defenders. That's just even with Jimmy and Bam, that's so hard to cover up. And if you just take one out and add Highsmith, who's arguably Miami's third best defender fourth at worst at this yeah, point but, he, but he's a he's a but he is a good defender you say that almost like it's ironic but he's got that enormous wingspan yeah. he's got quick hands like he's a pretty good defender i say it only because i don't know that a lot of people know who Hayward Heisman okay. is okay okay all right you know like it's, yeah. it's like hey like this guy you never heard of might be one of miami's best three defenders and so you add him to a front court with jimmy and bam and now all of a sudden you're able to do all these different things defensively you're able to switch everything if you want to um, and you go from three negative defenders, which is impossible to cover up for, with two, which is a little bit easier. And Kyle Lowry is so smart that he basically covers up for himself. So I, that to me is the big reason, the biggest reason why Miami's gone on this seven-game stretch, plus Jimmy Butler, who did not play at all in the preseason, kind of finding his footing, getting into regular season shape here. And, and that's that much has been obvious, 30-plus points in two straight games for Jimmy. But um, the Heat are 8-4 and four now. The Celtics are nine and two. The Sixers are eight and three. So the Heat are a game behind Philadelphia and a game and a half behind Boston here in the Eastern Conference. They are a half game up against uh, over the Pacers, who are fourth. Uh, and the Milwaukee Bucks uh, are are there at fifth with the same record at seven and four. When we Equal, went into, really quickly, equally yeah. as importantly, two and zero oh in the in season tournament. They they have a chance here too. I know it sounds funny, it but is, yeah, come on. like at this moment, the Heat winning the in season tournament to me is the funniest outcome. It would be the most Miami Heat thing. This of course, this, this random trophy that you put out here that means nothing. We're yeah. gonna go win that just because yeah. it's a competitive thing for us to do. Yeah, I'm here yeah. for it. I'm rooting for it. Um. 
So, look, we went into the season. The Bucks got Damian Lillard. The Celtics made all their offseason moves. Those two teams are considered the top two teams in the East, and then it's everybody else. I think what the season has taught us is that Milwaukee still has some work to do. Boston is a machine for the most part. Philadelphia is better than we probably gave them credit for when sure. we were sort of distracted by the shiny James Harden object over here. <laughs> and and the Miami Heat, who were in the finals last year and off to a stumbling start, one and four to start the season, seven games in a row now, they're right there. Should we consider them in that in that top tier with the Bostons and the Philadelphias? And we can even throw Milwaukee in there if you want to. I mean, absolutely not, but that's just perfect, right? Like they're they're exactly where they belong, Wes, which is you would I, I I'm half when you talk about Jimmy Butler shooting 50%, exactly 50% and being proud of this, I half think everything the Heat do is deliberate. And I almost would say, I don't really believe this, but I would almost say, like, okay, they come out the gate, they win the first game and they drop three in a row. Everybody kind of like, okay, the first the first week of the season, you make notes and you categorize everyone. They are somehow under the radar at eight and four, perfectly under the radar. They couldn't have scripted a better season for themselves so far to be positioned at eight and four, and yet nobody really kind of knowing it yet. So right. for me, do they belong in that tier? No, because if we're being realistic, they still have a talent gap, one that existed for the last several years. But if you're telling me right now that when they match up with the Milwaukee Bucks next week in the in-season tournament for the chance to punch a ticket to go who I'm taking, of course I'm taking the Miami Heat. <laughs> uh, they can't be counted out. I won't put them in that top tier just like you. Uh, it's unfair to do that to them and to the teams in front of them. Like the talent gap is a real one. But as they've shown uh, three to the last four years, basically, that doesn't totally matter until you get to a certain point uh i still think that there might have some moves to make by the trade deadline but that's not mm. that's not are a, you real quick are you a zach levine guy uh are you, are, I, are you, are you I, I like zach levine i don't like him for the heat okay i didn't know if that was you were alluding to that move specifically not necessarily um maybe a different chicago bulls guard but it's the same chicago bulls guard that like every <laughs> fan base wants on their team so that's true you know that's true he, you know what though, Caruso, he is a Miami Heat guy. That's 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 a Heat culture guy through and through, isn't he? Um, what did we learn about the Thunder in their win over the shorthanded Warriors? That's coming up next year on Locked On Heat or Locked On NBA. I got so much heat there. Today's episode of Locked On NBA is brought to you by BetterHelp. This time of year can be a lot, and it's natural to feel some sadness or anxiety about it, but adding something new and positive to your life can counteract some of those feelings. Therapy can be a bright spot amid all of the stress and change, something to look forward to to make you feel grounded and to give you the tools to manage everything going on. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself, and it isn't just for those who've experienced a major trauma. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suitable to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Find your bright spot this season with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash NBA today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash NBA. Today's episode of Locked On NBA is also brought to you by Game Time. Look, you shouldn't have to worry when you're buying tickets to your next big event. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events 
near you with killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from your seat, and the best price guarantee, Game Time, takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. Tickets are easy to find and easy for to find for every event in your area. Plus, they include views from all the seats in the venue, lowest price guarantee. See the view from your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. All-in prices show you your total up front so you know you're getting a great deal without the hidden fees that they lump on at the end. Buy tickets in seconds with just two taps. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the start of the event. And even an hour after it starts, it's the place to find last-minute seats. I've done this for countless uh, Miami Marlins games. I'll just buy them in like the second inning when they get their cheapest. <laughs> just a great way to go. Find exclusive flash deals, sponsored deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. And with zone deals, you pick the section and game time picks the seats for an average of 18% savings. And the game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use the code Locked on NBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem the code Locked on NBA for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guarantee. Thanks again for making Locked On NBA your first listen every day. Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories from the day with the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. The Thunder took care of business, beating the Warriors in San Francisco 128-109, to although it did not uh, include Steph Curry, who's hurt, and Draymond Green, who's serving the first Where's game. Where's he? Game, Where'd, he uh, where'd he go? Five games hurt. suspended. Suspended? What? What happened? Ask Rudy Gobert. Oh, wait, no, his larynx doesn't work anymore. Oh, man. The Thunder had six players scoring double digits in this game. Uh, it was a weird game again without Steph or Draymond. Got a little iffy there in the third quarter, but the Thunder pulled away. What was your takeaway from this one? This one was like another. Th- we've had a lot of these this year, the fake close games, where Oklahoma City really blew the the Warriors out twice in this game, once in yeah. the first half and then again in the fourth quarter. Um, my takeaway is that I just the Warriors, to me, are a team that my, my, my takeaways are more Warriors driven. And here's the thing. Oklahoma City looked great. They should be the story. I want to get back to them and make sure we spend some time. But my takeaway is that I look at this Warriors team and I go, OK, you're shorthanded to begin with. And the guys that you have filling in are so inconsistent and so unreliable when you talk about your Kamingas. Um, you know, <laughs> Pods, I know, has been, has had some good games tonight. Maybe not so much. But then even the, the staples of the team, Clay Thompson, one of ten tonight. He looked really bad. Andrew Wiggins, 12.6 rebounds, just kind of looks like the life, the basketball life has been zapped out of him. So I look at this Warriors team and I go, in years past, maybe you could survive a little bit, go two and six if you're missing your key players for a little bit. The backups can go in there three and three, something like that. Right now I look at it and I go, I don't know how many games this team's going to win without Draymond and Steph, if any. I mean, the Clay, the, 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 the Clay Thompson shooting slump to start the season – is troubling and he has had shooting slumps to start seasons yep. a couple of times before 
The difference is that those teams had Steph. One of those teams had Kevin Durant also on it, and it hadn't been a problem. But this is not the same team. It's not as talented. Clay Thompson's not as good as he used to be, even though he's still a very good player when those threes are going in. But he can't do the other things that Clay Thompson used to be able to do to make an impact on the game. So when he goes one for 10, the way he did tonight, it's a problem. And uh, Chris Paul, it just, you know, it. He went four of eight tonight, eight assists. Like, it's fine. It's it's tidy, but it's not really what you want when two of the stars are out. You kind of want them to just do a little bit more and not necessarily be trying to set up like Dario Saric all the time, you know? And so... Um, I mean, to me, I think that's what Chris Paul is now. I So I, no, I almost don't expect him to do more than that. If you're looking for guys to take over, I mean, you just need a Clay and you need a Wiggins. You need those guys to be more than they are. And Wiggins... When I say the basketball life being zapped out of him, I mean, that's what I mean. He looks like a guy, and we know that he's had a little bit of a slump to start the year, but it's more than a slump. It's just more of the way he plays. I thought he had that year a couple years ago. He was phenomenal. He was exactly what they needed. It was a spirited performance, and I kind of thought, oh, he turned a page. He's found the next chapter of his career, and this is who he is, and he's going to become maybe the next Andre Iguodala. He's going to become the next guy who was – a bad star, and all of a sudden an elite role player. And it was a one-off year. And now you watch him and you go, he just looks to me like a guy that doesn't want this, <laughs> which is weird to say. I mean, it doesn't look good, right? When this team, and you got Andrew Wiggins on the floor, Clay Thompson, Chris Paul, and this team ends up like kind of riding Jonathan Kaminga down the yeah, stretch here. Right. I mean, in, in, especially in that big third quarter comeback, you mentioned – the, the Thunder had to, had to blow them out twice. They were up by, I think it was 16 points early in the game. The Thunder make this this comeback. They pull within 84 to 83 after Kaminga's uh, free throws. The Warriors do, yeah. They're, it's a one-point game with 246 left in the third quarter. Here's what the Thunder do after this. Isaiah Cho makes an assisted three-pointer. SGA makes an assisted three-pointer, which was wide open. And when you talk about players not wanting to play basketball, it didn't look like anybody wanted to play defense on that possession. Uh, Chet Holmgren hits some free throws. Chet Holmgren has a cutting dunk. And then just like that, within basically a minute and a half, 105 left in the third quarter, the Thunder go from up one to up nine, 94 to 85. And then they just go from there. They just, they end up opening up a double digit lead again. And that's it. That to me, we're going to get to the Thunder part now. Yes. I love the resolve that they showed. I It wasn't Steph and it wasn't Draymond on the court, but it's still the Warriors. It's in their building. They're coming back and you're like, what's going on? Uh, a lot of young teams could have faltered in that moment and they didn't. They just kept doing their thing. They kept going through their process on offense. They kept going through their process on defense. I really liked what I saw because we've seen so many times the Warriors storm back in the third quarter and then go ahead and win the game. I know there was no Steph. I know Clay had an off-shooting night. No Draymond Green, but still, I like the resolve that I saw from Oklahoma City. And I'll use another word. Again, I use this to talk about Golden State. I, to me, it's spirit. I love the spirit of this Thunder team. I would say it's one of my favorites of the entire NBA because top they five play spirit team. Sure. With a, yeah, top five spirit, man. <laughs> they play a connected brand of basketball. You know, they're weird. They have like, they yeah. roll out lineups that you're kind of like, okay, what's going on? Who's the center and who's the point guard? You right. know, there was a lineup where you have like Kenrich Williams at center. You had Jalen Williams bringing the ball up as the point guard and just saying, I go, I'm just yeah. going to take it right down the throat of the Warriors defense. Yeah. Totally weird, it's, but fun. you got all these weird combinations. And then you have these guys who, you know, we just talked about Golden State's others, you know, the guys that are filling in the gaps, but you look at Isaiah Joe tonight, has a career night, seven of seven from the three-point line. A lot of that, you know, in the fourth quarter. 
you look at Case and Wallace has been looking really good. Um, they just have all these guys that they plug in and seem to get something out of because you know they're funky and they play together and they almost remind you of a college team. They they remind you of like this college team that has some yeah. freshmen and have some seniors and they're all excited and they're all friends and it feels like they're going to go out for burgers and shakes afterwards. It's a great comp. I love it. Um, the one thing I did that that kind of even the playing field in this one. The Thunder are the second worst defensive rebounding team in the league by defensive rebounding rate. And the Warriors are actually one of the better offensive rebounding teams. And I have a I have a Warriors theory that mm. they they don't have like good offensive rebounders on the team necessarily, but sure. because they're so used to rebounding off of like those long. those long shots, that they're like they position themselves specifically in spots where they're gonna get those offensive rebounds, not like the normal offensive rebound. We saw that that was a big, you know thing for them yeah. in, the, in their finals run a couple years ago I, I would so, add one more piece of this though it's also the movement like yes. if you can stand still and watch a shot go up and box out like okay you're gonna grab the defensive rebound but if you're scrambling all over the court and you don't know where the shot's coming from and the ball's bouncing around you're not in position to rebound and you're flying around and then it's a free-for-all but of course you don't have that when you don't have Steph and to a lesser extent Draymond to stir the pot they did get a bunch of offensive rebounds in this one. Twenty offensive rebounds for them in this game. That's a that's a lot. And that that's probably saying more about the Thunder's inability to get defensive rebounds. They also missed a lot of shots, which is I mean, always helpful. You get more chances. So, what did the Thunder shoot in this game? It felt like really, yeah, fifty point six percent. Then that was about ten percentage points better than than Golden State. So, yeah, all of that adds up, but. That was the only thing that I think even the playing field there in that third quarter, uh, Warriors were just scoring off a bunch of those offensive rebounds. Thunder need to clean that up. That's been an issue for them all season long, but they know that. I don't need to tell them that. Uh, but overall, impressed with the Thunder. Here's another thing that I think is unique to the Thunder this year. Shea Gilchrist-Alexander is their best player. Yes. And I think last year, he was their best player every game that they won. And probably their best player in 90% of the games that they lost. I think that I don't think that's true anymore. He's their best player. But guys like Jalen Williams can step in and be the best guy for a half. And Giddy right. can be the best guy for a half. And there's just other guys that can go in and make plays and do positive things. Michich tonight, I thought, had a good game um, you know, for him. So they just now are less reliant on Shea to be spectacular. And I, I think that's probably a good thing in the long run. Your Denver Nuggets are 9-2 and two at the top of the West. The Dallas Mavericks right behind them at 9-3. and three. Minnesota 8-3. and three. And the Thunder 8-4. and four. And... The next team is the Houston Rockets at six and three. The the Warriors are now are at six and seven. They've lost five in a row, and it doesn't seem like it's going to get any easier no, anytime they soon. Free falling. They uh, they're in the Clipper zone at the moment. Too early for teams to be splitting away, but it yeah. kind of start. It's what I just. It's too early. That's all. It's, it's, it's too, too early. Too early. Man. It's too early. Okay. I mean, yeah, they're they're eight and four. So if they fall to eight and five, or if they climb to nine and four, it's such a big difference. Too early. Yeah, it's just, it's a little too early, but I will say this: I you look at Denver, Dallas, Minnesota; they've been at the top all year long. Houston's kind of been there for a while now. Our Oklahoma Minnesota City. Timberwolves, Adam. Our Minnesota Timberwolves. Our Minnesota Timberwolves. I, I will say this: actually, here's the interesting thing about the standings: the Nuggets are the incumbents; they're the reigning NBA champs. Dallas has been there before under a different iteration, but if we call this Lucas team, they've been there before. Sure. Minnesota, Oklahoma City, Houston Rockets, Sacramento. This is just all new guard. You know, the new mm -hmm. guard is at the top of the West right now, and the teams that are down below there are the late LeBron's Lakers, Steph's Warriors, KD's Suns, Kawhi's, Kawhi's Clippers. Clippers. Like, those are the teams that are outside right now looking up at all these young pups. It'll probably blend as the season goes on to some degree, but 
I do think that there is, we are in the midst of a little bit of a generational uh, shift in the Western Conference. It's a great call. And this season has been a lot of fun. And there's been a lot of great, high quality players making high quality impacts, some of which have been a little bit harder to quantify than mm. others. We talk about that next here on Locked on NBA. Today's episode of Locked on NBA is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. All you have to do is pick two to six players, and if they're going to score more or less than their prize picks projections, you can win up to 25 times on any entry. There's no competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections available. With the basketball season here, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League, a league created specifically for combo projections that include two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, LeBron James plus Taylor Swift's boyfriend at 10.5 combo uh, of three pointers made plus receptions. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types are what makes Prize Picks the daily, the number one daily fantasy sports app. For those moments while you're waiting for the game to start, open up the app, check out the options, make your picks, and put your skills to the test and enjoy a game with a little bit more spice. Prize Picks offers weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts like Taco Tuesday. Each Tuesday, Prize Picks discounts select player projections up to 25% to provide even more value. PricePix now offers Apple Pay for quick and easy deposits into your account. This basketball and football season with PricePix reboot policy, your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets hurt. PricePix is the only daily daily fantasy sports platform with injury insurance. So go to prizepix.com slash NBA to use the code LOCKEDON NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepix.com slash NBA or use the code LOCKEDONNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. PrizePix, daily fantasy sports made easy. Thanks again for making Locked on NBA your first listen every day. It's Friday, which means it's time to count down to the weekend. What do you have for us today, Adam? Well, you know, we're early in the year, and in the offseason, everybody likes to do player rankings. Where do guys rank? One through 100, one through 500, whatever it is. Who's the top 10? And there's always a couple players that are just like, man, I don't know how to quantify this guy. He belongs both higher and lower, depending Mm -hmm. on what you look at it. So I got the guys who are most difficult to quantify just based where their value is. And I like how you framed this to us before we started recording the Jimmy Butler All-Stars. The Jimmy Butler All-Stars. I mean, of course, the Jimmy Butler All-Stars. Um, I have a couple honorable mentions this week. Okay. And I'm going to throw those at you real quick. I got Julius Randle. Mm. He's a guy that is both like, you know, he's a star. But sometimes he's not a star. I don't know. Can you build a championship team around him? No. I, well, so there you go. Maybe he's easier to, easier to quantify for you. I've got Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook, man. I mean, this one, he would have been, this would have been the Russell Westbrook All-Stars 10 years ago. Um, Now, maybe it's a little easier to quantify, but still, great player. Great player. Hard to build around, though. Kind of hard to know where he belongs into a another system. The Clippers agree with you. They're like, we need James Harden. Russell Westbrook's like, do you? you? Is that right? Uh, Jeremy Grant. I feel like Jeremy Grant is almost this other All-Star where we're like, man, that guy's so skilled. He's got a bad, he's always on bad teams and seems to make no impact. I feel like, Jeremy Grant has played in a different league for four years. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like he hasn't yeah. really been part of the real NBA action for a, basically since he left Denver. Right? It's like every team, every time doing stuff over here. 
and easily, you know, you got Dame on the Blazers. You're like, oh man, that's a good. It didn't make any difference. I don't know. He's hard to quantify, but he is a good. He's clearly a good player. Yes. And then I have Trey Young. Oh. Went to the Eastern Conference Finals. Led a team to the Eastern Conference Finals. Beat Joel Embiid's team in a playoffs. He has some big time. Th- but at the same time, I think you look at him and you go, okay, he can dominate a game. You look at the numbers. Would you pick him to build your your team? I don't know. He's hard to quantify. Is he a top fifteen player? Statistically, he might be. But I don't. Does anybody really think he's that? He's hard to quantify. I agree with all of those. Um, which making this list even better. The top five. The top five here. Number five. DeMarta Rosen. DeMarta Rosen has one of the prettiest games in the NBA. Best footbook, footwork. Incredible player. Incredible. How is he on such bad teams? And it seems like you almost, you know, obviously Toronto trades him away. They win a title. They get they get Kawhi. We understand that one. But you look at DeMar. He could dominate any individual matchup. Scariest guy. Terrible Chicago team. Cornerstone of it. I don't know. He's a weird one. He's a weird one. His impact ultimately for his career. I know we're talking about like this season right now, but right his now, career yeah. impact is going to be very similar to like Vince Carter's. Like their games are totally different. Yeah. But in I, terms I, I of like that. what they mean to the next generation, like you talk to DeMar DeRozan's generation or probably a generation younger, a little bit younger. And they say they, they always have Vince Carter in like their top 10 players ever, like the, their yeah. favorite players. DeBron DeRozan is going to be very similar to that, I think, for for this generation. You talk to players right now, and they all love watching DeMar DeRozan, but that not, like, even Toronto, San Antonio, Chicago, it hasn't exactly led to win. So his impact is sort of like a different impact than an on-the-court W's type. And everybody could use a player who can get a bucket and this or that, but yet nobody's talking about, ooh, is DeMar DeRozan available in Chicago? They're tearing it down. Like No no contender feels they're one DeMar DeRozan away. It's, it's, It's very hard to quantify him. The next one is a weird one. This one almost doesn't belong on the list, but Zion Williamson. It's Zion he's on here. What's that? It's a shame that he's on here. It is a shame, but I'm telling you, I can't tell how valuable he is in part because of the play. Like, people will always say, well, if he plays, but at this point we kind of know he doesn't play very much. And when he does, he's pretty dominant, but is he a good culture fit? Like what, you know, I just don't, I don't know what he is. He might be a great player that is just always limiting Maybe he's a great player that's just in a bad situation. He's just so hard to quantify right now. He is so talented that every team in the league should be watching New Orleans and going, is he going to be available this year? Is this the year you give up? Because we'll pounce the way you we right. pounced on Anthony Davis. Everybody wanted Anthony Davis. But I, I kind of feel like that's not the case with Zion. I think everyone kind of looks and goes, hmm, I don't know. Well, we have the sample size of the Pelicans being very good and winning a lot of games when Zion was healthy, and that's just not really the case right now. And I think, and, and there's all the off-season drama going on with him. I think people are like, "What's going on?" Like, if yeah. if we really opened up the hood on that, are we going to find some stuff that we didn't want to see? Is there even an engine mm-hmm. in there anymore? Right. Like, it's it. That I think that might be the concern there. The top three, though, I think are all good and, and less controversial. They're less about these other things. They're more just about the value they bring to the basketball court. Number three, we just saw him getting choke-holded by <laughs> Draymond Green. Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert is a multi-time Defensive Player of the Year winner. He is incredible. He anchors some of the top defense. Every year he's on one of the top defenses in the in the NBA, and he's anchoring it. Um, he's lost some high-profile matchups in the playoffs where i think people expect and then he always gets blamed for it's rudy's fault you can't win with rudy and i watch him and i go i don't know man has he ever been on a team that really should have won you know has he actually underperformed expectations and 
he gets played off the court by Nikola Jokic and Steph Curry. Guess what? Everyone does. So I look at Rudy Gobert and I go, I think he might actually be an elite piece of a championship team under everybody's noses. And yet everybody looks at him as if he's some kind of gimmick. He's Ben Wallace without the rings, right? It's if Ben Wallace didn't have the rings, people talk about him a lot differently. And I'm with you. I've always thought that, look, you, he's, he was sort of the antithesis of like James Harden for a long time. He was polarizing because of what he couldn't do and wasn't looked at like, but Harden for years was a walking top five offensive rating, right? Like your team would just be that. And with Gobert, and it looks like even now, even though there was a little bit of a drop off last, last year, you put Gobert in the middle of your defense, you're top five in defensive rating. And, and, and so I'm with you on that. Yeah. And I know, and I know the CEO of this company will, will is asking us to talk about the. the <laughs> That's not why I did it. It's not why I did it. He, he, does, does, he didn't mention those. Number two, Jamal Murray. I had to have a Denver nugget in here. I had. I mean, I had to. Come on, Jamal He's Murray. Right now, so it's he is hurt right time. now. And even when he wasn't hurt, what's he averaging this year? Twenty points, pretty good shooting. You know, six assists, good numbers. Those are not all star numbers. Those are not right. superstar numbers. That's not. NBA champion, reigning NBA champion numbers. Those are just good numbers. And yet, how many guys would you take him over? If you had one game, game seven of the NBA finals, you have to pick a guy. How many guys are getting picked ahead of him? Maybe 10? Maybe 10 before you go, no, that's a guy that's showing up in that game. He's an all-time playoff riser. He has an incredible skill set. He just seems to never show it in the regular season. Yeah, he's sort of the guard version of the guy that we were talking about earlier. (laughs) <laughs> and it's I, I think the thing with Jamal Murray though is he's a very clear number two. He's a yeah. very good player, but he's a very clear number two. And I feel like people just skip over the number twos a lot and yeah. when they're thinking about it. And it's a it's a detriment to him because he's also one of my favorite players in the league to watch. He just yeah. also so he also happens to play with maybe the favorite league pass guy in the league in yeah. Nikola Jokic. So it's just it's almost like he's in the shadow of this other guy. I don't know. It, and it's like who's probably the best player in the NBA. So I, I, I get it. We, oh, we right. you know, covering Denver, we've been saying it's the year of Jamal. This is his breakout year where he everybody sees how good he is. And then even before he got injured, it just wasn't the case. And now he's injured. And you just look at it and go, I don't know, man. If I were betting at this moment, I would bet that Jamal averages about 21, 22 points a game. <laughs> kind of has a yeah. regular year for him. And then it comes to the playoffs, he's going to murder everyone. That's just, that's I, I would bet goes. on both of those things. Um, what did we call this? The Jimmy Butler All-Stars? Yes. Well, so guess who's number one? Is it Jimmy Butler? Nikola Jokic. It, no, I'm kidding. It's, it's, it's Jimmy Butler. Of course, Jimmy Butler. Because while Jamal Murray, there might be 10 guys you take in a game seven, I think there's probably only like three or four before Jimmy Butler. If you say it's game seven, it's going about to get ugly. It's about to get nasty. I don't – you break his skill set down. Is he a great shooter? Not really. Pick and roll. I mean, he's a good player. He's good at everything. He's good. But if you just say, hey, you need to make a play in this moment – He's the ultimate playmaker, toughest guy on the court, baddest dude on the court. Um, and yet I don't know if he's that good, but he's also <laughs> awesome. It's so weird, man. His his greatest skill set, if you ask him, is that he just outworks everybody. He said that that's his best skill. I would argue that that's not his best skill. I think yeah. it's, it's probably his second best skill. His best skill is the things that he doesn't do. He doesn't turn the ball over. He doesn't foul. Right. And yep. when you talk about like the hardest players whose impact it's hardest to measure here – 
you talk about a guy like like Jokic, for example, who's always in the top of the VORPs and the EBPMs and the box plus minuses and all these things. Jimmy Butler is always like right there. You know, yeah. he's always like in a top five, even if his stats like the thing with Jokic and Embiid and these guys who are always up there, too, that they're also averaging 30 points a game. Jimmy Butler doesn't do that. His stats are like 23, six and six every year. But his efficiency is really high and his impact on the court is really high because he just doesn't make mistakes. And that stuff is a lot harder. Like what's not there is hard to measure versus yeah. what is there. So I, I I love that you have Jimmy Butler as number one. And I have thought about that exact framing you said, guys that you would take in a game seven. There's only there's only three guys I would take in the same realm as Jimmy Butler in the entire NBA. Yeah. And it's in no particular order. Steph, Jokic, LeBron, and Jimmy Butler. Those are the four. And it's yeah. everybody. It's a steep drop off after that to everybody else there's other guys who would be great but those are my top four guys that i want in a foxhole i'm telling you so when is this matchup i gotta look at this i gotta look and see when do the heat end up playing the bucks it's got to be coming up in the in-season tournament is the next tuesday or next friday let's find out together here um it's not until the 28th is that right i didn't know that the in-season tournament huh. went that long it does. I think that's the last week. And then the first week of December is the... Uh, uh, the NBA knew what they were doing when they set the schedule. They made that the final game. It's TNT. Beautiful. There's a really good chance that those two teams are going to be fighting for a ticket to go to the in-season tournament. And I just love it, man. Like, <laughs> I'm taking Miami. I love it. I love that we came out of this saying that Miami's going to win the in-season tournament. <laughs> uh thanks for making locked on nba your first listen every day every day is make sure you're subscribed on youtube odyssey and wherever it is that you get your podcast the show is going to be back on monday with the biggest stories from the nba weekend until next friday you can find me over at locked on heat and adams over at locked on nuggets for your next listen locked on has launched the first ever national sports 24 7 streaming channel on youtube locked on sports today is here for you 24 7 covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of the Locked On Podcast Network, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming.